The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. Hey, just as we're here right now, um, a, a bunch of our folk are at a airport. I think it's called St. Andrews, and uh, they're get, oh, they're at Perimeter. Thank you, Carla. Okay, so they're at Perimeter in the city. They're getting ready in about half an hour, I think, to fly to Garden Hill and uh, probably taking a couple of planes. I'm not sure if it's worth the perimeter, maybe just one plane. And uh, just one plane. Carly's got my notes there, yes. And um, so I'm going to pray for them. Would you, would you join me as we pray for the team that's just heading for one week to Garden Hill? There's a picture of them. And let's get, lift them up to God. Heavenly Father, right now as we think of the Garden Hill team, we, we just lift them up to you. We thank you, God, that um, we have this incredible privilege of partnering in Garden Hill with Pathway Camp Ministries. We thank you, Lord, for the long history of relationship there. Lord God, we, we know that we get to be your ambassadors there, and we pray for each of the members of the team for safety as they travel. We pray, Father, that you might open the hearts of the children and the parents and the leaders of the of the Garden Hill Reserve, that we might have an opportunity to uh, share them with them the love and the truth of Christ. We pray, God, that you'll bless uh, the team as they that will be free from sickness or injury, and that uh, the impact that they leave will lead children, especially, to know Christ. So, Lord, we lift them up to you, and we thank you so much for them, and we look forward to their report. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've been uh, in the fruit of the Spirit this uh, this summer, and um, I get to control this thing this week because I was mean to the persons that were controlling it last week. <laughs> Sorry, I, oh, I got a point there. See, I'm teaching all of you patience. Okay. Somehow I'm doing it. Ah! Okay. Hit the right button. I'm sorry. Before we uh, get into this, this actual study, I'd like to just back up and do a few general observations about the fruit of the Spirit, and I've, I've listed them on a slide here. I want to acknowledge, first of all, that the fruit of the Spirit that Paul teaches about is in contrast to the works of the flesh. So Paul in Galatians 5 has described a whole list of sin, and then he's described a whole list of spiritual fruit, and, 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 and both of them are side by side. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, we're, not, we're going to uh, have to not gratify the flesh. If it, actually, the, the way Paul puts it is, if you're going to not gratify the flesh, you're going to have to learn to walk in the Spirit. The other thing about it is there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. You can go crazy on these things. If you want to love, love as much as you want. If you want to be patient, you can be as patient as you want. When it's the fruit of the Spirit, you, you don't have a law that is, is restraining these things. Thirdly, the list of the fruit as the list of the sins of the flesh, these are not exhaustive lists. In fact, I've, I've asked, uh, I've borrowed a, a quilt from Kathy today because I want to show to you that just as a quilt is made up of, of many kinds of materials, so also the fruit of the Spirit is not even limited to just nine, as if, okay, that's it. It's just that language kind of hinders us and limits us because really the fruit of the Spirit is the essence of Jesus Christ in you. And you cannot quantify the essence of Jesus Christ with nine words. 
And so just as the, the, I don't know how many pieces of fabric are in this quilt, but it's an example of the workmanship of, of a quilter, and just as we are the workmanship of Jesus Christ, God's workmanship. And so as He works on us, as we grow in the fruit of the Spirit, we become this incredible workmanship that is more and more growing into the essence of Jesus Christ. Fourthly, each piece of fruit, singular, should not be isolated from the rest of the fruit. In other words, it would be rare that you would grow in one area and not grow in any of the others because, as I said, it is the essence of Christ that we're growing in. And so we probably will not be an incredibly loving person if you're not patient and so on. And then finally, I want to suggest that... um, the fruit of the Spirit is often developed most in the face of adversity, of pain, of difficulty. And um, that's why in James chapter 1, verse 2, Paul, or James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops patience, perseverance, and that perseverance must finish its work. Later on in chapter 5, uh, James says, Brothers, as an example of patience... Same word that's used in Galatians 5.22 for the fruit. He says, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And they faced opposition because the fruit seemed to grow better when opposition was there. So, again, you can't learn, especially patience, you can't learn that fast. You can't download patience instantaneously and be a patient person. Just by virtue of its definition, patience requires time. And so just uh, before we jump into the scripture that we're going to be looking at, which is in James chapter 5 this morning, uh, unpacking the fruit that's found in Galatians 5.22, we're going to talk, uh, I'm going to give a little bit of a, a test or a little game with you, just like I did last week. Um, I'm going to play a little game with you, and you're going to finish the statement that I make, okay? So I'm going to say something, and you're going to finish the statement with the last word or words. So let's start with one. First of all, I'll say... Wow, that person has the patience of Job. Oh, I heard some other word. I'd love to hear that. Okay, good. Well, I've usually heard Job. Yeah, patience of Job um, is, the, is the one that's often referred to. Then uh, here's another one. God, please give me patience and give it to me. Oh, yeah, you guys got that one. Give it to me now. Grant me patience and give it to me now. How about this one? Um, Patience is a virtue. Keep it if you can. Seldom found in women and always found in men. Is that it? <laughs> See, I knew, I, I knew I'd throw you off on this one. I knew I would, I would get you on this. And I'll do one more thing. I want you to turn to the person next to you, if you know them, and say to them, you are one of the most patient people I know. How's that going for you? (laughs) Why is there so much laughing going on? Okay. Patience is a vulture, yeah. Let's let's turn in our Bibles to James chapter 5. If you have a Bible, if not, you can follow along with me. James chapter 5, we're going to be reading verses 7 to 11. And if you're able to stand with me, let's stand now to listen to God's Word. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. 
See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of patience or suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. May God bless His Word. You may be seated. I want to share with you that in the Scripture that we have looked at, that um, there are two words in the Greek text for patience. And these are the primary two Greek words that are ever translated patience in your Bible. And the first word we're going to talk about is makrothumia, which has the idea of being a long-tempered, not-getting-heated-up kind of patience. And the second word is hupomeno, which has the idea of stand under it and keep persevering kind of patience. So that's the outline for this morning. We're going to just unpack the two words that are used for patience. And the first one is uh, macrothumia, the patience that is the long-tempered, not getting heated up kind of patience. It's used four times in the scripture that I read. It's a, a word that is made up of two words, macro, which means large or long, macro, and then thumia, which means heat or passion or anger. So the words macrothumia is a long-tempered person as opposed to a short-tempered person. And this is the fruit of the Spirit that enables us to keep our cool, hold our tongue, exercise our restraint, wait out things, take no long, a larger and longer view of things instead of being frustrated with the short account. And um, we were taught many lessons in Bolivia, Pat and I, when we were there on, on patience because we, we saw people so incredibly patient so often. Things that we would take for granted like getting your paycheck every two weeks. We saw teachers that would have to line up in downtown Cochabamba every two weeks, late Friday afternoon, to get their paycheck. Uh, we, I would sit in a, in a line at a, at a garage waiting to get fuel, diesel fuel, in the Jeep for the mission because it was, uh, it was on short supply. And I would just take some papers along and start marking them from the seminary as I waited and inched my way forward toward the pumps. Patience is something that all of us uh, are, are either good at or bad at, and some of us uh, in different areas are better than other areas. But in verse 7, uh, James highlights one particular group of people that seem to be acknowledged for learning patience uh, because of their role in life, and that is the farmers. It says in verse 7, the farmer waits for the fruit of the earth until it receives the early and late rains. You know, that's an interesting thing, this, this whole patience and how farming maybe teaches them, farmers, intuitively, that they cannot rush uh, what, what God must do, and they, they cannot presume to do what only God can do, and God will not do what they're meant to do. And so this idea of vegetables or grain or fruit or flowers or whatever it might be is just something you're going to have to learn to wait for. And so 
We're not a, we're not a generation of waiting, are we? We have instant everything, instant uh, things in our lives, and we expect it in a hurry. James also mentions in verse 8 that Peter, or sorry, James also mentions the Lord's coming in verse 8, that somehow the Lord's coming is a reference point for us to learn patience in this world. And in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, that reference is this way. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but He is patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so patience is somehow referenced in our lives when we keep perspective of the fact that we do believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ that somehow that's meant to put all the stressors of the temporal world we live in into perspective. Though they may seem very large in the moment, they are small compared to eternity. To take the long view, to not get caught up in the moment, to not lose perspective, to keep the bigger picture, and according to Scripture, to live in light of eternity. Think about how stressed that you and I can get. Uh, Maybe even this morning, coming to church. Some of you had your patience tested, just just getting here on time and and at peace. An author by the name of David Roper wrote a book, and he he shares in this book about a retired missionary couple that was coming off the field after their entire missionary career in, uh, I think it was Africa. And it happened happened in, in the 1960s during the Beatles' rave. And they were actually on the flight from London to New York City with the Beatles. And of course, you can imagine that when they arrived in New York City, all the teenagers and everybody were just swarming the airport. This is in the days when security was a little less tight as it is now. And there were just mobs of people around the plane and so on. And they they made their way. They had to literally wade through the crowd to get to their luggage and so on. And it just happened to be that there was a mix-up. This is the days before text and social media. There was a mix-up on who was to pick them up. And so after all the Beatles had gone and all the crowds and media had gone, there they sat in the airport in New York City with their luggage all alone. And the husband said to his wife this, What gratitude. The Beatles arrive and the entire city turns out. We come home after 50 years of serving overseas and there is no one here to greet us. And his wife, who obviously was the wiser of the two, (laughs) said this, that's not true, honey. We're just not home yet. You see, that's, that's living in the light of eternity, isn't it? I know it sounds rather cute and quaint and Pollyanna, but it really is true that the value systems that are in this world right now are all messed up and we're not home yet and we are waiting for a time when Jesus Christ will return and he is going to set all the wrongs right and he is going to correct the value systems that this world and sometimes you and I have really messed up on and he is going to put it in order and show us what he values. Jesus Christ is going to do that. We need to live in light of eternity. And so in verse 8 of James 5, he says, you also be patient, strengthen, and that word idea of establish or strengthen your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. This is what James is teaching. It's hard to live in light of eternity. 
In verse 9, we read of what happens when we don't learn patience. It says in verse 9 that we grumble. Have you ever noticed that grumbling is not a neutral activity? It's usually at someone or something when you grumble. And so it usually is aimed at something that's not being done. The nation of Israel was notorious for grumbling. They grumbled against Moses for, for all kinds of things. The one who delivered them from slavery. They grumbled when they didn't have a king and then they grumbled when they got a king. I mean, they just grumbled all life long. And it seemed like God was always having to be so patient with them. And James says, don't grumble against one another because it shows a lack of patience. It shows a lack of faith. And, and you're going to be judged for that. You're going to be judged for your grumbling spirit. And he says that the judge is even at the door already. Verse 9 10. He's already at the door. That's again a reference to the second coming of Christ. The judge is already at the door. And so, <clears throat> it's interesting the word that is used here that we're talking about, macrothumia. I looked it up in a few different places, and in one of the lexicons that helps define these words, it described this macrothumia as groaning inwardly, <coughs> groaning inwardly because of the pressure of, of what is coming upon you outwardly. Okay? So, groaning inwardly because of something that is coming, it's not here yet, but it's coming and it's outward, and then, I love this, the illustration, this lexicon, this definition kind of dictionary uses is, is the labor pains of a woman in, in childbirth. And um, mu much of the, the groaning of anticipating the next set of contractions, I guess, is, is part of what this is all about. Now, I remember when our three children were born, and I didn't make the same mistake with the boys as I did with Emily. So, so... I can't even remember what it's called, but there's a monitor that was, is hooked up to the woman as she is in her contractions. And, and as the dutifully husband that I was, I was going through all these creams of, of uh, stuff on her back. So she had back labor and this and that. And anyway, I, I could see this monitor and I, and I would say to Pat, Pat, there's another contraction coming. I just want to tell you, you young guys that have not had children yet, that's not a good thing to say. Because Pat would look at me and she'd say, I know another contraction is coming. Because she's the one experiencing them, you see. She didn't need the monitor. I'm not sure why the monitor's there, actually. But that, that, that's the idea, this groaning, because there's something coming, and it's not, you're not looking forward to it. That's this idea of patience. Something inward that's coming that you feel it's an outward coming. And so in explaining patience, James also uses the farmer, the illustration of the Lord's coming. And then thirdly, in verse 10, he, he talks about the prophets as an example of patience. And if you, if you scan the history of Scripture, boy, can we ever see a lot of people that had to grow in patience, can't we? Job. Job, instead of cursing God and dying, waiting patiently. Noah, a man of righteousness, building an ark, waiting for the flood, being mocked. Ruth, her husband, dies and she stays with her mother-in-law for years before she even is remarried. Abraham and Sarah, at the age of 75, given the promise about the child of promise that will come, not being born for 25 years, waiting patiently. 
Jacob working for seven years and getting Leah and then having to work another seven for Rachel, his true love. Joseph sold by his brothers into slavery and ending up in Egypt. Moses growing up in the king's court and having to spend 40 years in the backside of the wilderness as part of his training to lead Israel. David being anointed as king very early in life, but waiting till Saul finishes his reign as king and even running out into the wilderness to hide from Saul half the time. The prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Hosea, many of these prophets who were uh, alive during the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel, during the exile, during the return of the, of the exiles after 70 years, during the rebuilding, they waited patiently as Israel was under God's discipline. In the New Testament, Paul is receiving this incredible salvation call and, and missionary call. He's sending you out to the Gentiles. But what? He has to wait 14 years before his missionary career begins. Jesus Himself, Jesus Himself, knowing why God had sent Him to earth, it doesn't even start His earthly ministry until He's 30 years of age. Do we, do we have to ask why it is that God has given us in Scripture holy record of so many people that, that had to learn patience except the fact that the deepest places of our lives and the most maturity that happens in us happens because we have to be patient for it to happen. It grows over time. That's why I believe God gave us all of Scripture and so many examples Patience cannot be learned quickly. It takes time. Let's move on to the second word, hupomeno. It's this idea of staying under what God has providentially put on you. The picture of a yoke is a very good picture of, of this hupomeno. It's made up also of two words. Uh, the words meno, good Mennonite name, in Hebrew, means to remain or abide, and hupo means under. So, so hupo mene or meno is literally to remain under. If God brings something in your life and you cannot remove it, or you feel God does not want you to remove it, or you just can't do anything about it, you remain under that load, that thing, that condition, that station in life that God has put on you, trusting in Him that He will not let it stay on you if it is a difficult thing to stay under. He will not let it stay on you one day, one moment longer than it will accomplish His purposes. And so in verse 11, James says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. They stayed under it who were patient. You have heard of the steadfastness, upomano, the steadfastness of Job, and how you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Job is used as an example of one who was dealt a severe blow in providential circumstances. And friends, I don't know about you, but when I read the book of Job, even by the end of the book, the reader is not given clear justification as to why Job had to suffer so much and why the next guy didn't have to suffer. Sorry, that's not, it's not a nice little clean, tight package. God does not give us all the answers here on this earth. We, why He loses belongings and children and so on, we don't understand it even at the end. 
Some in this church family have, been face, has, have had to face the same kind of suffering as Job, and God has given them great patience in the exceptional perseverance under trial without losing faith. And it has been sustained only by the grace of God, I know. Eugene Peterson wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And uh, the subtitle of that book, Eugene Peterson's, is Discipleship in an Instant Society. (laughs) I love that. Discipleship in an Instant Society. And he writes this. These These are really good words for us to listen to. Eugene Peterson says, There is a great market for religious experience in our world. A great market for religious experience in our world. But, he says, there is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. And there is little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. (laughs) That's so true. (coughs) It's so true. We can... We can shy away from the patient endurance of what it is that God wants to teach us. Two Old Testament figures that I deeply admire. I remember when we were in Bolivia teaching a lesson about Joshua and Caleb. I think Joshua and Caleb perhaps were on the mind of Eugene Peterson when he wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Joshua and Caleb, remember, were the two spies that went in with the other ten to the Promised Land, and they brought back a report that said, Moses, we can do this. God is with us. Yeah, there are giants in the land, but God God has given us the land. The other ten swayed the whole group, and they waited 40 more years in the wilderness. But Joshua and Caleb were the only two people over 20 years of age that entered the promised land 40 years later. Joshua and Caleb are the ones that are written of in Joshua and Judges. And guess what? As leaders of their tribes, they went into the land of their inheritance, the the lots apportioned to them. And it says, for example, it says of of Joshua, uh, or sorry, of Caleb, who was of the tribe of Judah, it says in chapter 15, verse 14 of Joshua, they drove out the Canaanites. He drove out the Canaanites. He was 80 years old. They drove them out. Of of other tribes, it is said things like they subjected the Canaanites to forced labor because they could not drive them out. They became woodcutters and water carriers because they couldn't actually overcome the enemy. And one of the sad commentaries, if you read the Joshua Judges account, is the, the tribe of Dan. You know what the tribe of Dan happened? It says of the tribe of Dan, what an epitaph, what a what a legacy to leave. It says of the tribe of Dan, they could not take possession of their inheritance, guess what? They settled somewhere else. You know, this whole record of Old Testament Scripture, as we spoke of a couple of weeks ago, the whole Old Testament Scripture is such an illustration of the Christian life. What is it in you that you cannot drive out, that you're just making peace with, that you're just settling down on? What is it that God is saying, you be patient, you endure this, I know I haven't taken it off of you yet, you stay in that trench because it's going to accomplish something incredible. I am making something great out of your faith through this thing. Joshua and Caleb had a long obedience in the same direction. That's the kind of faithfulness, steadfastness, endurance 
that we need as believers in Jesus Christ. Because there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things in this world that are trying to distract us, get us off course. Several years ago, I, I read a book uh, about the incredible expedition of 28 men to the Antarctic in 1914 under the leadership of Ernest Shackleton. In October 1915, still far from their goal, their ship called the Endurance was trapped and later crushed in the ice. Got trapped in a whole bunch of ice flows and eventually was crushed. And uh, the 28 men were left there with nothing but some lifeboats and a few supplies in one of the most coldest and savage parts of the world in 1915. Okay, this is a long time ago. Finally, after reaching an island on the lifeboats of their ship, they made the decision that they were going to take five of them, five of the 28 would get back into a lifeboat, and they would attempt to cross a stretch of more than 500 miles on part of the sea known for its frigid temperatures and its raging storms. Five of them in a lifeboat. Very few supplies. After three weeks of terrible conditions, almost dying on several occasions, thirsty and starving, they landed on another island and they made a trek across the island to a little town where they had a population that could receive, they could get some help from. Upon arriving there, the next task was to find a ship that was able to rescue the remaining 23 men who were barely surviving the winter climate on a barren island 500 miles away in the Antarctic. And after three attempts of getting a ship and all the supplies and making its way out and having to return, three attempts, finally the fourth ship, the fourth ship was able to reach Elephant Island where the 23 lost men were rescued. And um, can you imagine as they got up every morning, these 23 men, as they looked out upon the icy ocean to see if their captain had come back to rescue them. And it happened on, finally on August the 30th, 1916. They were rescued. And I just think the irony that I think of and the, the illustration I use it as, the, the ship was called the Endurance. I mean, what an incredible illustration of the Christian life. Many times in Scripture, we are called upon to persevere under trial, to persevere through difficult times, to persevere and to watch and to wait patiently for the redemption, for the second coming of Christ, for the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ, to return. And uh, that's our reference point, according to the Word of God. As we... As we wind down here on this, I, I want to tell you, I am very intrigued with that second word for patience, upomeno, because it's used almost exclusively of humans, of us. We're called to be patient. It's only used twice of God, and it's used of His Son, Jesus. One of them is in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 43, when Jesus is 12 years old, and it says that he stayed behind in the temple while his parents had gone and gone back home. 
And it says that he, he stayed behind. It's, it's like Jesus, as the 12-year-old boy, knew that he had to stay under this training time that God the Father had. And the second time just is the most powerful one. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12, a passage of Scripture that you will know well, where it says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely to us, and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. If you're discouraged this morning because something is, is on you, if you're discouraged because you don't see patience in yourself, this fruit of the Holy Spirit, if you're discouraged or frustrated this morning because God has asked you to stay in a situation that is difficult for you to stay in, and in prayer you have sought the Lord, and in Scripture you have sought Him and other counsel from other believers perhaps, and yet God has not lifted it maybe. And this is a time of discernment. I want you to know this Jesus, this same Jesus, who stayed under the cross. You know, when He was on the cross, it says He endured it. He, he stayed under that thing until God's will was accomplished. He, he was not held there by the nails in His hands and feet. He was held to the cross by the intentional understanding that this was the will of God for His life. He was held to the cross by the incredible love of the Father for us sinners. And, and he endured that cross, despising its shame, and now he has sat down at the right hand of the Father. And this is what Jesus promises to every one of his, of his own. He says, if you will endure whatever it is that I've called you to, if you will walk the, the path of discipleship that I marked out specifically for you, if you will run the race that I have specifically marked out for you, if you'll follow the discipleship plan that is different than the person beside you, but it's the one I've got for you, if you will stay under that, if you'll endure patiently, you are going to get the crown of life. And you will not regret in eternity one of those momentary afflictions that Paul says are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you we thank you for your son. Lord Jesus, just as, as uh, Kevin began the service earlier this morning, reminding us of the incredible patience that you show us, oh God. We just want to sit and think about that for a moment. Lord, you're patient with us. Lord, you are so, so patient. We are so much like the children of Israel. We do grumble. 
We grumble and groan against you. We, we anticipate hard things and we resist them. Lord, we look back and complain or we look to the present and, and we argue. But Lord God, you have been a good God. You've, you've been faithful. And we, we confess, Lord, our weakness in this area. Would you, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit and by the presence of Jesus in each one here, Lord, would you enable us to go out today and to experience the patience of the Holy Spirit? Would you help us to, to, to treat those around us with the patience that a person created in the, the image of God deserves over that thing which pressures us to say, hurry up? God, would you enable us to sit and stand under the thing that you've put upon us and in our past so that we will experience the full will of God in our maturing as we grow to be more like your son. And will you receive all the glory, Jesus, as we see that all of this is because of your great patience with us. We ask it in your name. Amen. Lord God, you bore our shame. You bore the, the scoffing. You stood in our place condemned. You endured all of that. Thank you for enduring that for us. And so as we go from here, Lord, we are grateful for what you've taught us. We thank you, Lord, that your patience to us is for our good in you. And our patience, as you empower us, our patience towards others and towards our surroundings is also for our good in you. And all for your glory. Please bless each one as we go from here. May your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great day.